0: Hi, this is Duff, WA 7 bfn and welcome to This Week in LICW, episode number two for May of 2023, a look at what's new, noteworthy, and happening in the Long Island CW Club. Well, as a commercial pilot, I always remember my first solo flight, full stop landing, and the instructor hops out and says, take her up, <laughs> pucker factor plus. Much the same as anything we do that uh, is a first. Like uh, making a first QSO, for example. Sweaty palms, heavy breathing, and here we go, CQ. Don, KC0DWZ, made his very first QSO here recently. And I thought we'd uh, ask him how it went. (laughs) How did the jitters go there, Don?
1: Uh, I really didn't have that many jitters. I didn't think I was ready. Uh, I was apprehensive, but I didn't really have the jitters. And Ed, W4EMB... In Tennessee, one of the instructors uh, sort of encouraged me. I had just finished the BC1 classes. I had also learned some of the letters, uh, especially the ones on my call sign and Mm -hmm. Q, of BC2 in advance. So one day he said, let's just get on Zoom and we can talk it through and then we'll mute our Zoom calls and we'll send over the radio. And that's exactly what we did. And it was a bit clunky. Uh, but he was very supportive, very encouraging. Right. And at the end of it, it was successful. There you go. What insights,
0: right. uh, what would you recommend for somebody? Cause a lot of the folks out of BC one and everything else, a lot of folks I'm sure are just out there listening to QSOs and really not participating, you know, even though they might be ready. What would, what advice would you pass along to them?
1: I would say, don't be afraid. Uh, no lives will be lost in the making of your QSO. If you mess up, you mess up life goes on if you do it with somebody from the club they're going to understand they're going to be supportive and they will encourage you so i highly recommend if you can find someone in the club either the code buddy route is a good one or just listening on the air to somebody we've got that challenge going on you can be spotted on discord or in the challenge chat both are great vehicles to find who's on the air they post the frequencies go listen. Even if you don't talk that day, go listen.
0: If you
2: That's think great. you want to
1: try it, if yeah. you think you want to try it, send them a message and i will invite you to join. And
0: uh, maybe QRS would be your favorite uh, <laughs> call sign at that point.
1: Yeah. Actually, I haven't even used that yet. I've done again a few times, but not QRS. Many time
0: I've been on the air and I've heard newbies alike over there calling CQ or struggling with a character formation or the rate of, and I've never found a ham who wouldn't stop and help them out to conduct a uh, successful Q-cell.
1: Absolutely. And and I think you, if you look at the right spots, you know, whether it's an SKCC frequency or an SST uh, that's going on, or certainly the LICW call frequencies, as we call them, uh, you're going to find somebody that's going to support you. POTA, uh, you know, it's really simple. Yep. You can look at where the... You know, where the uh, activator is, find the frequency, find the call. And basically all you got to be able to do is send your call, hear what they say, send their report in your state if you want to do that, and you're done. So it's an easy way to break the ice. Now, it may be so scripted. It's like, well, that really didn't feel like much. It's building confidence early on. With In case of POTA, I I do have uh, the scripts that some of the get on the air classes provide and they simplify it. Uh, and make it very, very easy and comfortable for you. And frankly, I don't think the activators really care. They just want your call sign, and you're going to send it slow enough, in no, most cases as a, as a beginner, that they're going to copy your call. That's what they want. They'll send you the token 599 or whatever and vice versa. But um, they want your call, they get your call, they're happy. So I have found that they will slow down for you or even send a question mark or, again, if it wasn't clear, because let's face it, it's not just copying. It's also the sending portion you got.
0: So anyway, congratulations on uh, making your first cue, So I...
1: I don't believe I just did that.
0: <laughs> it was quick. It was easy. And uh, it happened. That's great. Yeah.
1: And the dirty little secret it was probably 55 years in the making because I wanted to become a ham when I was a kid. Uh, and the code was a requirement and I didn't have it in me to figure it out, whatever. And, and frankly, I think the tools and techniques are much better today anyway, so. Uh, now that I'm a ham, I figured I might as well learn CW. That's outstanding. And you're
0: amongst friends. Let's put it that way. We've really Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And, um, hey, <laughs> happy QSOs out there.
1: That's right. Thanks for asking me, Duff, and hope to catch you on the air someday, 73.
0: You bet, 73s. Well, what bugs you? The history of semi-automatic gears is broad and colorful. Wonderful stories of development and use. Bugs still hold a fascination of use and operation, and collectors abound, of course. LICW features among its many classes, one dedicated to the semi-automatic cure, care, feeding, and operation. I talked with Tom, WA9CW, one of the founding members there, about wild about bugs. Well, are you one of those collectors there, Tom?
2: Well, I'm not really a collector. I have about 10 bugs, but I don't consider myself a collector. I've just... I've acquired a bunch of bugs because mainly because I just wanted to see what the next one would feel like. So I'm not uh I'm not a collector uh, in in that perspective and I'm not exactly a keyholic. <laughs> but I can if I see sometimes I can see one and I really
0: can't help myself from wanting to buy. It. Oh, maybe. To me, if I'm going to collect anything it's going to be bugs. In the bugs on that. So, how far back do you go with uh, collecting bugs? What was your very first?
2: My first experience with a bug when I was fifteen, and I had a friend that was a ham radio operator. I rode my bike out to his house one day to see his, his uh, novice station. He was a novice, and I'd never seen a bug in in person. I'd seen them in the Allied catalog, but I'd never seen one in person. Oh
0: yeah, the Allied catalog. I know that yeah, one. Yeah, Lafayette <laughs>
2: and all those. And uh, so anyway, uh, I was fascinated with it, and I just thought it was beautiful. And then he would just he would just reach up there and. You know, use it and then he would sit back and he'd listen and just laugh. And he was holding a conversation and nothing was being written down and, and, and that the bug was just chattering away. And I don't know what it just, it just found a place in my heart that day. Yep. And I always said after that, I want to be a CW guy and I want to be a bug guy. That was the two. <laughs> I got my first bug. I've got a new viperplex, and then I ran into some other ones and then I'll just kind of say I bought most every bug I've run into.
0: You've never yeah. read a bug you didn't yeah. like. I take it,
2: <laughs> right? But that uh, where I've gone, ham fest and that kind of stuff. I really don't see that many.
0: If you were to but, give, uh, uh, if you were advice, I guess to somebody who is interested in bugs and uh, wanting to learn,
2: uh, well, semi-automatic key. Well, I would say that uh, if you want to buy a bug, there are there are some really good buys on Vibra eBay, and online and such places. I like, many of them. You know, the the bugs, the '60s and are probably some of the better ones. there. I mean, they're they're all there. There are many good ones. There's uh, the Japanese key. There, the high mound is a they call it the coffin bug. Sometimes it's mm. a, it's a really beautiful sending bug. If you once you get used to it, it looks kind of a single lever paddle on it. Right. But then, if you know a Viroplex, there's so much information about them and the setup on them is. Uh, so straightforward, and, and uh, it's easy to find information about how to set yeah. them up. And but, after that, uh, the main thing to do is uh, record yourself or listen to yourself, and make sure that your timing and spacing is good, so that your sending it, your sending is always with well, a bug is going to be organic, have an organic sound to it. But there's no reason for it to be uh, the timing to be just awful. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have so many people that one of the reasons I guess that I, I'm wanting to start something in LICW about bugs was we have so many people that don't want to work somebody with a bug or they don't like bugs because they don't like the way they sound on areas. Encourage people that that's not really what bugs. Bugs don't have to be that.
0: That's right, <laughs> and they come in all sizes and, and designs and everything else. Is uh, I think one of the neat things about the uh, you know wild about bugs class is you just never know. What you're going to end up with? <laughs>
2: well, you don't, you know, and that class can get kind of wild sometimes. It, it, it can uh, bounce all over, but we have some world-class resources in that. We have several guys in there. Obviously, Tom and David, and and when uh, James Wade's comes in, we've got we've got world-class knowledge and and uh, guys that are experts on that that uh, can help or know a lot of history and. And uh, they really, they really make that class a lot more interesting to me because there's okay. just so much that you can talk about with bugs oh, until yeah, absolutely. you find.
0: So why don't you give me a commercial? When does the Wild About Bugs happen? When is it? Tuesday afternoons at five o'clock
2: Eastern on Zoom A. There you go. Wild and, About Bugs. <laughs> right. And it's for anybody that's interested in bugs, wants to get a bug wants to get improved with a bug, wants to show off a bug. yeah uh, it, we're wild about bugs in there so whatever,
0: <laughs> whatever works <laughs> It covers the whole realm. <laughs> Tom, thank you very much. I do appreciate it and uh, appreciate you. Sure thing. Since it first came out in March of this year, Chris Rakowski's book The CW Way of Life. Has quickly become the Bible or the reference of CW Worldwide. As Chris says, you can read the book like a tourist guide to Morrisland. Plenty of sights to be seen. Get ready to roll up your sleeves, do the drills, and set yourself on a 175-year-old path to Morris mastery. I recently sat down with Chris to do some further exploration of the book. Chris, what inspired you to, to write this book?
3: Well, the I was one of those people you've read about, uh, certainly, who was out of the hobby for a long time. Life interfered while I was making other plans. And for 25 years, I kept my license and I kept code in my head all the times, but I was off the air. Came back uh, around, I guess it was 2010. I came back on the air and immediately went back to CW and using a straight key, uh, straight key which was my favorite thing to use. Uh, In fact, when I first got back on the air, I didn't have a keyer. And so uh, I did a contest with a straight key. My first day back on the air, I went on a, uh, went on a contest and was using the straight key and having fun and able to do it. And then I joined the SKCC, the Straight Key Sentry Club, which I thought, oh, wow, a bunch yeah. of people who are interested in straight keys. Uh, one of the things that I saw being said fairly often was straight keys cause glass arm. And it's a very common belief. Straight keys cause glass arm and are better off avoided because oh. they're such a such a mm-hmm. problem. Right. And I found that to be so Well, what it did was it contradicted the fact, well, if that's the truth, then why do I not have glass arms? Which means the model that generates it is clearly false. Mm -hmm. And that was the starting point, the first point to where I said, I really kind of need to, I want to correct that misapprehension. That's wrong. And it's being promulgated and spread around as truth. And uh, there's certainly there's things about it that need to be known and things that aren't known. And also, if not, then what was the other question that came up to me. Why does in fact, why do some people get glass arm and others not? Uh Just kind of stuck in my head as something that I felt a need to investigate. That led to numerous interactions on that site and with other individuals, emails, and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. going back and forth uh, in which I investigated the various pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And that ended up turning into the book because I ended up with so much material and so many notes that it had to be codified, and one thing, one piece of research led to another, and that piece of research led to another, and then I ended So I ended up doing the whole thing. I ended up writing a book that covered it from A to Z, so to speak, uh, including uh, the, the ever-complex problem of defining uh, what prosigns mean and that sort of thing, which is the true tower of Babel that beginners Oh, sure.
0: You started off the book with a kind of an interesting uh, uh, recount, I guess, from your dad. Was that it, uh, of a PBY in World War II?
3: Well, that story I picked up as a kid when my, my dad had told me he gave me this key, and he, he had mentioned to me a couple of times, more than once when I was a kid, that he'd crashed on the greenlit ice cap. And to be truthful, I kind of went, yeah, okay. <laughs> it didn't register in my head what had actually transpired. And after my dad passed away, one of his cousins sent me a copy of an article from Time magazine from 1943 that talked about it in some detail. And it hit me like a like a brick over the head that I didn't realize exactly what had been involved in that. And then my mom said, oh, yeah, he didn't like to talk about it, da-da-da. And my mom started telling me, recounting things that my father had said to me. So it became a, a, co- a collection of the things my father said combined with those things. My father only ever talked about the technology oh, that was involved. Okay, I used the straight key. The radar failed us. We didn't know this. We didn't, he just, it was like a da-da-da-da-da-da da-da, da-da of technical facts. All right. As opposed to the fact that, oh yeah, and we all almost died out there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He never talked about it, never yeah. said one word about the elements of danger yeah. that were involved in it.
0: Um, well that in itself, you know, just would probably make a great novel or a great story somewhere along the line. It was just fascinating. I started
3: where is this going? The point of the book is to take people and to try and provide sort of a hook to let them say, Here's part of where I came from and it's part of what C W and Morse code means. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of how it acted for us. So it starts here at this critical juncture, then moves into on the, on the next page. After that story, it says, oh, and here I am 20 years later talking to my sister right. in Morse code or 60 years later talking to my sister in Morse code uh, at a dinner in New York. So it kind of makes the, it kind of covers that bridge of how I got to that point and. And uh, what went before it. And so, then, of course, it's laid out in, in more detail, bit by bit, as you go through the book, it unfolds.
0: So thats uh, is that how you got started, basically, in CW at that particular point, then, with your dad, I take it?
3: Yeah, uh, he had bought me, I'm sure he wanted me to be a ham and wanted me involved, and I think when I was 10, he bought me uh, Mm -hmm. a uh, uh, Halicrafters S3080 radio, and I I hung a long wire out the window, and I started listening (laughs) in to, to the AM phone bands, and I heard some of that Morse code going on, and then he started teaching, when I finally got interested in the Morse code. Actually, uh, uh, I went to uh, a local ham club and signed up for a uh, a course that they Uh were giving. Uh And I went to the course, and I was really disappointed. I came away from the course. You know, they they started out kind of the way these things start these days where, okay, tonight we're going to learn e O, and S, and next week we'll learn G, W, and B. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm a 10 or 11-year-old kid, and to me looking at a six or an eight-week course was like, well, that's the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. I, I could not deal with that much time. It just you know just really got me. And so I came out of the course, I remember being down, and my dad and I walked out to the car, and he said, let me show you a better way. And he started code talking to me in the car.
0: Oh, interesting. He taught,
3: and he taught me to spell out the word stop. And so I was reading stop and saying stop to him on stop signs before we got home. I got home, from, I got home the next day uh, uh, from school, and there was a copy of the ARRL handbook. Right. And he said, he said, here, learn the code, and then we'll, we'll learn it together. We'll talk uh-huh. and work it out. So I did. I, I went and I, just, I memorized the, right. the letters I uh, as Dits and Daz, which is what it said in the ARRL book. And then we started code talking. Right. Uh, and, the was, first and then going from there.
0: It's kind of funny that your, was it your sister that picked up on that as well without even, <laughs> <laughs> even knowing it?
3: It's exactly, <laughs> because my dad and I would talk code at the dinner table, you know, da 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 how goes it today, Right. what I just said. Egypt and uh, and <laughs> so we're talking code at the table, and my, my sister is older than me, and she had no interest in technology that I could detect or anyone could detect. And we always had uh, American Bandstand was on every night at dinner. Oh, and
0: yeah. yeah. My
3: father and sis- My father and my sister had many interesting interactions about whether that should be on and making all that noise, <laughs> as my father called it. Um, but then 60 years later, I'm at a dinner. And as I, again, I tell the story in the book, I'm at a dinner with my sister in New York. And I said, yeah, I've been in uh, New Jersey researching the history of Morse code at the Speedwell Museum. And she says, oh, Morse code and starts talking code to me. (laughs) And you going, I, I fell off the chair. (laughs) I, I never imagined in my wildest dreams that she would remember any of it, let alone actually heard any of it and would remember it. And she did. And that kind of started off then uh, unfolding, unpacking in my head the memories of what my father and I did, because candidly, I hadn't thought about it in 50 years.
0: If we were to take one thing out of the entire book, one good takeaway from the entire book.
3: Your brain works on input and output flows. And when you're learning anything, balancing input and output is the most important thing. We in the Morse code community, a lot of emphasis goes on listening the code to learn it. What my father did instead was he taught me to speak the code, outflowing the code, and that drilled it into my brain very, very rapidly. And that in fact is the way babies learn to speak. I believe that that needs to be strongly reintroduced into code teaching today because it's it's all but disappeared. Um, and I think the reason it disappeared was the the more or less death of the apprentice system uh, we wow. used to really learn from Elmer's that's we'd, right we'd go to somebody's house and hang out that's how I and learned we watch them and yeah. listen to them and as often as not they'd talk code I've, I've heard some so many guys oh yeah that's the way I learned it we talked code when I was a kid and mm-hmm. my, my buddy and I talked back and forth in high school classes tapping things out so the teacher wouldn't know we were doing <laughs> it I I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that from all over the place sure. but when we stopped when we stopped hanging out at people's houses. And when we instead started learning it over computers, the notion was that computers can talk better to us, that computers Uh can tell us all. So we want to pour it into our brains. And that has really replaced the idea of talking. So to anybody out there who's interested in learning, what I discovered is that if you can talk the code, you can send the code. If you can talk the code, you can copy the code. It's so fundamental. And yet, it's been dropped out completely. So, a lot of emphasis in the book is is on that.
0: Very interesting, and uh, and I think so true, so true. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. There, really appreciate it, and um, good luck with the book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's fast becoming what the Bible by, by primarily of, of CW well, operators.
3: <laughs> I'll do, I'll just kick in two two data points on that that are interesting. First off, it actually hit the bestseller list on Amazon. Um, which is uh, remarkable for a, for a nonfiction book about Moore's code. Yeah, really. Um, and the other thing, is, the real intent of the book is to be a textbook. My belief is that every ham, anybody doing CW should have a copy of it, especially beginners, so that they have something they can go through from beginning to end and get the entire picture of the history, where it came from, the physics, the biophysics, the biomechanics, and here the details of the code. And so it's all laid out. And then that serves as a departure point from which you can learn. And you can always go back to it and learn it, so we can update it from there. So that was really the intention was to make it like a an easy to read textbook. Yep. was the goal, and I think I came pretty close. Pretty close on close. I think yep. I did an okay, okay, job.
0: I think it did as well. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I do appreciate it, and uh, as I again, good luck with uh, with the book. Uh, it is right here on my shelf, and and read at the ready over there for reference uh, all the time at this point. So it's been good. Anyway, thank you so much. I do appreciate it.
3: And thank you very much for spending time with me. I appreciate that.
0: You bet. Okay. Take care, Chris. Thank you. 73. 73s. This Week in LICW is produced by the Informational Services of the Long Island CW Club. Questions, comments can be made to WA7BFN at MSN.com. Till next time, this is Delph, WA7BFN, 73s.